Thanks, Clay. Uh, evening, everyone. It's good to see you here in church. Uh, welcome, especially if this is your first time at St. James or you've been away for a while and you've found your way back. We're glad that you're here. My name's Al. I'm the senior minister here at St. James. And uh, as we consider what God might have to say to us this evening, let me lead us in prayer. Lord, may your word live in us and bear much fruit to your glory. Amen. Well, this year we're doing what we do at the start of every year, that is we're having a, a launch series, a series of three messages across three Sunday nights, where we just refocus our minds on what are the, the big goals that we've embraced as a church. And we've adopted a 10-year vision at St. James to be an overflowing church. And it's quite a long statement. It's a fantastic statement. But it boils down to saying we want to be a church that overflows in joy, that comes from knowing our Lord and our Saviour, that overflows in impact as we bless the community in the midst of which God has placed us, and overflowing with growth, as we welcome more and more people to join the fellowship of our congregations and people who uh, find Christ and life in him, overflowing in joy and impact and growth. And as we saw last week, the top line on this is that 10 years from now, we'll be a spiritually vibrant church grounded in the gospel whose joy and confidence in God overflows in boldness to do courageous things for his purposes in the inner west and beyond. And what that's saying is, when we're talking about overflow, we're not just saying, oh, we're just inherently overflowing people, like we personally have so much potential or something. We're saying, when you see God for who he is, your joy in him overflows. Your confidence in him overflows in boldness to do courageous things. And so what we need most of all in our 10-year vision is to have a clearer and clearer understanding of who God is so that we might respond in an overflowing way to him. And we discussed this last week. We said we've got to keep reminding ourselves, therefore, that we have a God who can and will act. Not a God who can but probably won't. A God who can and will keep his promises. A God who can and will build his kingdom. A God who can and will hear and answer our prayers. A God who can and will bring people to salvation as they hear the good news of Jesus. And uh, we looked at this great quote uh, from a famous missionary called William Carey. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. Those two things go together. If you have low expectations of God, you won't try anything. But if we have great expectations of God, as you should have, then we'll be bold in attempting great things for God. And today, we're really going to focus in on what an overflowing response to God might look like among us here at St. James, and especially at 6 p.m., in 2024, in, in the year ahead. Uh, because each year, our 10-year approach invites us to nominate a particular goal for the year that moves us towards that vision of being an overflowing church. You might remember last year, we were trying to cultivate uh, a generous welcome and a rich sense of belonging. That was our one-year goal in 2023. And uh, there's a team that gets together of, made up of staff members and of St. James regulars. And uh, 
They thought hard about this at the end of last year. And the goal that they prayerfully arrived at for 2024, drum roll please, is at St. James in 2024, we will be courageous ambassadors for Christ in all of life. As in James in 2024, we'll be courageous ambassadors for Christ in all of life. Each of us will take a new step to represent Jesus where we live, work or study, and every growth group will have stories that celebrate this. By the way, our 6pm retreat is really going to boost us in, uh, in hitting this goal. We'll become courageous ambassadors for Christ in all of life. This is a great goal because we expect great things from God and we're willing to attempt great things for God. And I'm uh, going to make three points tonight. Ambassadors, courage, and how to grow. As we think about that one-year goal. Ambassadors, courage, and how to grow. Well, first, let's think about being ambassadors. As I've shared with some of you before, my dad was the Ugandan ambassador to Australia. That means his whole job was to represent Uganda in Australia. This is not a straightforward matter. Uganda, let's face it, it's a pretty obscure place. Uh, it's not high in the consciousness of most Australian people. So if you're a Ugandan ambassador, you've got a job to do. You've got to promote Uganda among Australians. You've got to make it plausible for Australians to visit Uganda. And then you have to make it easy for them to get there, to get their visas and all that kind of thing. You've got to try to stimulate investment in Uganda from Australian businesses, all that. <clears throat> and this was a real change of direction for my dad because he wasn't a, a diplomat all his life. He was a career academic. He worked in universities. And quite late in his life, he got this opportunity to become the Ugandan ambassador. It was a complete change of direction. I mean, previously, he'd kind of been supportive of Ugandan things. But becoming an ambassador, that's a whole new thing. Because all of a sudden, it's not enough just to be supportive of something. You have to represent something. Uh, for example, my dad, having lived in Australia for decades and having become an Australian citizen, he had to become a Ugandan citizen all over again. Because he has to be the Ugandan ambassador to Australia. Uh, he got a car with a little Ugandan flag flapping on, <laughs> on the hood. Uh, he had to relocate to, to the ACT, to Canberra. Live in a big house with a flag out the front. To be a representative, to be an ambassador, you've got to go all in. And uh, the Apostle Paul uses this image when he thinks about what it is to be engaged in gospel mission, this idea of being an ambassador. In the biggest change that had ever happened in his life, he had come to understand that Jesus was Christ. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Listen to this. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This revolution has happened in his life as he has changed completely the way that he views Christ. 
He used to be anti-Jesus. But now he sees Jesus for who he truly is. And I should say, actually, as a footnote, if you're joining us tonight and you're still kind of exploring the Christian faith and you're not sort of certain where you're up to, you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian believer. What you need to do is focus on what is your understanding of Christ? It's reflected here at the end of that, that uh, passage. To get your understanding of Jesus right, the great starting point would be to do the Life Explored course. It starts tomorrow week. Paul says, though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. But by, by changing his understanding of Christ, he hasn't just become pro-Jesus in some general way. He's become a representative of Jesus. So he goes on in that same passage. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He now realises he is Christ's ambassador. He represents Jesus in a world that doesn't understand and know him. And you know, this is a great metaphor, it's a great image for what it is to be a Christian person who represents Jesus in the world. Now, it may, be, it may well be, as I study this passage, it may well be that when Paul first uses the expression here about being an ambassador, he has in mind a more narrow focus on his own personal role. So he's an apostle, he's a lifelong missionary, he's got a unique role in God's purposes. And that's as, as may be. But nevertheless, it's still a great metaphor for every Christian person. As he said in that previous passage, Christ died for all so that those who live, live no longer for themselves, but for him. To be a Christian is to be a representative of Jesus, to be his ambassador in the world. Paul even talks about becoming a Christian as changing citizenship, like my dad. He says, from now on, our citizenship is in heaven. We're representing a different kingdom in our world. And he says here, God is calling the world to be reconciled to himself, to be saved. How is this appeal conveyed? It's answered there. He says, through us. I want to slow down there. This is, this is it's obvious, but still amazing. The way the gospel message goes out is through us. It's not that God has this secret other way, and if we, if we keep our mouth shut, it'll all just be taken care of. The way the gospel is shared throughout the world is by Christian people saying it to other people. Through us, the supernatural and saving news of Jesus is shared in the most unsupernatural and human way imaginable. Through conversations. Through us talking about Jesus, whom we've come to know and love. Through us person to person. And if you're, if you're a Christian believer as you sit here tonight, it's because someone shared the gospel with you. 
uh, in my case, was, it was shared with me by my mum. I grew up with a Christian mum. It's how I come to be a Christian person. We may not be apostles like Paul, but we represent Jesus as his ambassadors in the world. And ordinary Christians have always known this and done this. Let me give you just uh, a couple of examples here. This is from the book of Acts. We read, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Listen to this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. We don't know who these people were, but what we do know is it wasn't the apostles because they weren't scattered. It was just the regular Christians who were driven out of, uh, out of Jerusalem. They preached the word wherever they went. Just regular people, not full-time ministers. Every Christian is an ambassador in their circles. You're, a, you're an ambassador in your circles. And so you, as you read through God's word in the New Testament, you find that Paul speaks to slaves about being ambassadors. He encourages them to work in a way that will commend the gospel to their masters. He talks about wives being ambassadors, to live in a way that will commend Jesus to their non-believing husbands. And it's summed up, if you like, in this general advice that he gives in Colossians chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors. And it's just, it's just an inescapable dimension of Christian identity. We represent Christ. Well, that's ambassadors, but my second point is courage. Let me ask you this question. Is being an ambassador easy or hard? Well, it depends. I'd love, to, I'd love to say, okay, everyone stand up. Easy, this side of the room. Hard, that side of the room. Just uh, jot down a few names. Uh, the fact is, the answers vary. I have lots of books on, on evangelism, on being an ambassador for Christ. And these books don't agree. Here's a couple of samples. This is the book, uh, Sharing Your Faith by Selwyn Hughes. Listen to what he says on his blurb. Are you one of the casualties have set out to share your faith and failed. Witnessing is, in the best sense of the word, easy. That's good news. How about this? This is uh, Nick Pollard. Takes a different view. His book is called Evangelism Made Slightly Less Difficult. Um, he writes on his blurb, evangelism is difficult. It always will be. There's a message of hope and good cheer from, uh, from Nick Pollard. And I wonder if both of them were available in the bookstore, which, which one you would reach for, the easy or the difficult? Well, I think, I think Paul would probably reach for the easy one. But there's at least some of our, our sisters and brothers in Christ 2,000 years ago who would definitely reach for the difficult one. And you get this, uh, you get this in Philippians in our Bible reading. It's very clear. Uh, it's written by Paul. And he, Paul writes Philippians in the middle of a horror streak. Uh, he's been arrested in Jerusalem because of, because of a chaotic misunderstanding. He was caught up in a riot. He was then left in jail by a corrupt official for two years, hoping that he would crack and give them a bribe. 
Uh, he was then transferred to Rome on appeal, where he languished in chains. And that was when he wrote Philippians. Here's his take on his situation. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He is so singly focused on proclaiming Christ, he thinks this is the best thing ever. <laughs> he's in the easy camp. But he's an outlier. Does he expect every Christian to have that same mindset? He does not. Listen to what he goes on to say. I love this. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Uh, the, the older NIV translation said this, they've been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. In other words, he's saying he knows that courage and fearlessness is a problem and his example and his experience has helped them to be a bit more courageous, a bit more fearless. That is, he knows our confidence can waver. He knows that there are things that can boost our courage. Now, our goal for 2024 is to be courageous ambassadors for Christ. And so we want to grow in our courage, just like the Philippians did. And I, I just, I love this. I, and I, I want you to seize hold of this. I love it that there's a version of you waiting out there in December of this year who is bolder and more courageous and fearless than you are right now. There you are. I can see you, you're smiling, you've got all sorts of stories about the little risks you took for the Lord in evangelism and how he met you in that and exciting things happen, how you prayed for friends who didn't know Jesus and you saw prayers answered. We're going to grow, you're going to grow in courage and in fearlessness. But my final point is this, how will this come about? How will we do this? How will we grow bolder in 2024? And I have two, uh, two answers to this. We're going to grow in two ways. Firstly, you grow by paying more attention to the gospel. And secondly, you grow by getting equipped. Pay more attention to the gospel, getting equipped. So firstly, pay more attention to the gospel. What is the gospel message? The gospel message is that in love, the Son of God became a human being and lived among us, died on the cross, for our sin and was raised as Saviour and Lord. And incredibly, when you look at the message of the cross, it reveals a God who works through weakness, a God who works, in fact, through humiliation. And that means that from the start, you see this in the Bible, from the very start, the gospel was an absurd message. Absurd. And it was promoted by people completely lacking in cultural credibility. An absurd message promoted by people lacking cultural credibility. And here's the thing this is God's methodology because it reflects the nature of the gospel itself, because God is a God who works through weakness. 
and through humiliation. And this is acknowledged in the New Testament. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And he goes on to say, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And so if, if you want to, to share the gospel with your, your friends and, and you fear that the message isn't very persuasive and that you're not very credible in this, then you're doing it right. That's, that's how it works. Because the dynamic of sharing the gospel is the same as the dynamic of the whole Christian life. That is, God works through our weakness. I love this quote from Alistair McGrath in another one of my books on evangelism. He says, you need to recognise both your personal inadequacy and the irrelevance of this inadequacy to evangelism. This is such a crucial gospel lesson for us. We say, I feel inadequate. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Mistake. It's not about you. It's not about you. The cross shows us that God's power works through human weakness. And I think, certainly for myself, our fearfulness in evangelism can even actually mask a form of pride. Because I think, oh, if I'm humiliated in evangelism, that's bad for the gospel. Actually, it's not. Might be bad for me. But it's not bad for the gospel. Look at Paul in chains. He was humiliated. Was it bad for the gospel? No. It served to advance the gospel. We need to apply the gospel mindset to the task of evangelism and not try to find a position of strength from which we can proclaim a gospel of weakness. We need to believe not just in salvation by grace, we need to believe in evangelism by grace. So the first way for us to grow in courage is, is to, to, uh, to pay more attention to the gospel and to make the gospel mindset drive the way that we share the message. And the second way to grow in courage is to get equipped. Like everything in discipleship, we want to get equipped so that we can do better and better and better. And we take that approach in all sorts of things at St. James uh, as ways to help us improve the disciples of Christ. Uh, we, we, you know, last year we run a, uh, a teaching series on um, financial generosity. But then we think, how can we help equip people even more? So then we say, look, there's this great book. Buy and read this. Uh, and then we run a seminar after church so we can get trained in it. And we do the same when we're focusing on prayer or when we're focusing on, on becoming better readers of the Bible. And same with evangelism. So our goal for this year is that we'll be courageous ambassadors for Christ in all of life. Now, this is a great goal. But uh, as one writer says, most churches and Christian leaders greatly overestimate the ability of their members to communicate their faith. This is aimed at me, of course. We can't say, get out there and preach the gospel. They overestimate the ability of their members. And the same writer goes on to say, the leader needs to make it his or her goal to train every Christian in the church. 
100% with no exceptions. And so we're going to provide training to help us grow in this because we care about them. And uh, this is, providing training in, in, at St. James is always a challenge because we think, oh, everyone's busy and they, they don't want to come in, you know, for a bunch of Saturday mornings or something like that. And so to include as many people as possible without making anybody any busier, we've decided this year to spend a couple of months in our growth groups focusing on this. And we're going to use a brilliant uh, training program called Ripple Effect. They're going to be hearing a lot more about this and... Uh, some, some St. James genius has gone into the design of this course. But uh, let me just whet your appetite by showing you this quick, uh, this quick video clip that's taken from the course. Let's have a quick look. G'day, I'm Sam. And I'm Gillianne. Welcome to Ripple Effect. It's called Ripple Effect because small things have a big impact. This is module two. What are we gonna do, Gillianne? We're looking at how we can talk about Jesus in conversations. And we need to learn evangelism because it's in the DNA of every Christian to want to tell their friends and family about Jesus. But we don't know how. And every day there are opportunities where we know we could have, should have told someone about Jesus, but we didn't. Just the other Sunday, I was buying bread at a bread shop and I asked the lady, how's your day? She said, good. And then she said, how's your day? I said, good. And then she said, why, what have you been doing? And I froze, I knew I could have said, I've just been to church, but I didn't. I thought, wow, here I am. And people think I'm an expert at this. And even I was struggling to tell people about Jesus in normal, everyday conversation. And we get it wrong so often. Like one time my friend, said to me, we were out for coffee. She says, Julianne, I want to tell you something, but I don't want to. And I'm going, oh, why wouldn't she want to tell me something? She goes, because I think you're going to be judgmental. And in my mind, I'm going, how on earth has she thought that I would be judgmental? We're going to learn evangelism together. We're going to be sharing conversations we've had. We're going to be praying for opportunities and we're going to train to get good at this. After these eight sessions, whether you're in a bread shop or having coffee with friends, we will have the tools needed to listen well and hear gospel themes in everyday conversations. I'm really looking forward to this. Let me wrap up by saying this. I, as our regulars know, I, I quite regularly go to Madagascar. Do you know Madagascar has no Australian embassy? There's no Australian ambassador in Madagascar. That used to worry me, actually. I said, what would happen if something bad happened to me? There may be no ambassador in Madagascar, but you're an ambassador for Christ. And that means, although Madagascar has no ambassador, your household has an ambassador. And your friendship circle has an ambassador. Your course of study has an ambassador. And your social circle. And your extended family. And your sports team. Because you're an ambassador for Christ. What a privilege. 
My dad was the Ugandan ambassador. And I'm very proud of him for that. But I'm a Christian because my mum was Christ's ambassador, which is more precious by far. Let's pray.